Hello, hello. Welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we talk about the Megan Thee Stallion drama, Kanye's presidential run, and Nick Cannon losing all of his jobs. And then for the main topic, May breaks down the miracle in the Andes. Stay tuned. What up, fam? Feels good, right? Good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. And without further ado, we broadcast live from CA to NY. That's my favorite birthday of yours. That's hilarious. Will we ever have times like those again? No. I think they're just blacked out. I mean, when you get to that point, I don't remember that what happened that night. And I didn't end up in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just remembered you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a text. Me can't get up. But jokes on everyone else. Since I blacked out early, I woke up the earliest. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't that drunk that night because I was pissed that yeah. they were being ridiculous. You were drunk with anger, which is a different kind of drunk. Yeah, I was like sober with Tiff and we were just like looking for them for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. And then finally gave up. I was like, let's just go to sleep because <laughs> nothing else to do. So, <laughs> And that's when you turn 21. Yeah. Magical <laughs> time. Uh, remember also on your 21st, we went to Yard Cal- House. California Pizza Kitchen. No. Yeah. No, we went to Yard House with David and I threw up in the bathroom in Riverside. That, but it was CPK because I have the no, photos. No, it wasn't, May. No, it wasn't. Look it up. Okay. It was Yard House. Because remember, we saw that girl in the bathroom with the sash. Yes. And she said, is she okay? Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, it's her 21st birthday. <laughs> oh, you're right. This is Yard House. What time am I thinking of then? I love CPK, though. <laughs> I bought a, a sandwich from there last week. I ordered the veggie. I hadn't had it in for, forever. The like grilled veggie sandwich. I used to get it all the time when I was younger. What's the veggie in it? Is it eggplant? It's like eggplant, mushrooms, grilled onions, and peppers. That sounds bomb. It's really bomb. And an arugula. And yeah. they put like an aioli on it. It's so bomb. Except it's overpriced for CPK what it is, is overpriced. It's so overpriced because it was lunch. So I got half with a soup. Mm-hmm. And it was like $14, almost Ooh. $15. I was like, what the fuck? For $15? I could, yeah. <laughs> I could go to like a real sandwich place. It's good though. I like the barbecue chicken salad. That shit the is pizzas expensive are bomb. too, and the pizzas are bomb. Yeah, totally underrated chain, I would say. But for fifteen dollars, you could go to Cheesecake Factory and get the half sat. You know, you can get like the full sandwich with the side. I, and Cheesecake Factory's lunch special is way better. It's so, and it's a lot, so you could actually eat it for like lunch and two dinner. Two days, yeah, exactly. Because they give you fries too. I went mm-hmm. to Cheesecake with my mom like before <laughs> this all yeah happened, and I remember I got like the. The chicken salad sandwich and it was yep. like half sandwich soup ticket. and fucking fries uh-huh. i was like yeah. oh fuck that's what my mom always wants to get she always wants to go for lunch and she always wants to get that fucking chicken salad, salad sandwich yeah. <laughs> it's called like annie's annie's salad special or, or some shit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny this is another cheesecake factory podcast <laughs> <laughs> cheesecake factory when i was a child used to have a rack of ribs what yes i mean they have everything else so yeah <laughs> It's but, kind of shocking that they don't have a rack of ribs. So they pulled that shit from the menu. That was the that was the first real loss that I felt as a child. And then my grandmother yeah. died. That was the second oh big loss. <laughs> May. Oh my god. You're ridiculous. 
Uh, okay, anyways. They also Some... used to have something called a Chino Latino steak. What? Yeah, this was this is like super throwback. But they pulled that from the menu too after the ribs. After they pulled the ribs from the menu. So actually, Speaking... that was the second big loss. Speaking of Chino Latino... I just saw that. Tra- you know how Trader Joe's, like when they have their ethnic foods, it'll be like Trader Jose. Tra- yeah. Like, yeah. Trader yeah. Means. Uh-huh. They're changing they're that? They're changing it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it's I petty. Guess- That's another one of those things that like, who <laughs> fucking cares? But like. Who asked for this? Yeah. Nobody asked for that. But all right. Good. Okay. That's fine. Change that. Yeah. Go ahead and take that shit off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was last year when uh, a woman, her name is Maylee. I think that's her name. Let me just double check before I start spouting off at the mouth. I do that all the time on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I accidentally wrote Trader Hose. That's their sex uh, product (laughs) line. Oh, they need to make that shit. Yeah, what the fuck are they thinking of? Her name is M-E-L-Y-D-A. How would you say that? M. Say it again. M-E-L-Y-D-A. Melita? Melita, yeah. Well, there's this woman, Melita, who was shot inside of my local Trader Joe's by the police last year. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's it was like a whole like the whole neighborhood was very upset and stuff. And anyway, this weekend was the anniversary of her death. And on Sunday they had a march because the LAPD shot her. Like they they shot into the store cuz the suspect ran in there. I remember, yeah. And they shot her and she died. And uh, so on Sunday, they had a march because they ruled her her death was like like a just justified death or something when you mm. don't shoot into a crowd of fucking people. Yeah, it's bullshit. Anyway, I couldn't go to the march because I had other plans. But yeah, like everybody showed out for it. You can't be going to marches, man. What the fuck? Yeah, that's another thing. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Check out this little girl on TikTok. Her little butt. Look at her little shirt. I know. It, I love how babies look like they have butts because yeah. they have pampers. Uh, is, little she, arms. is she 47 years old? Isn't she so cute? <laughs> I know her little curly hair too. Yeah. Like how it's she, all short. She looks like everybody's tia. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so. That fit though. I need that outfit. Right? That little popsicle <laughs> shirt. That just slaps. Um. I always forget about popsicles, and every time I have one, I'm like, "Yes, this dude!" Is so I convenient. got I got fucking paletas in the house right now, and I don't want to gentrify paletas, but the three six five ones from Whole Foods, the coconut nope. ones, take the shit out, me. The coconut ones, fucking slap! I, I had always to, like coconut paletas, and I don't really fuck with like shaved coconut. Yeah, it doesn't really have very much shaved coconut in it. It does, okay. but like, it's, it's so- like. It's so good. That's what's up. I I ordered one box because they were on sale. There were four come in a box, and like I ate all four within like five seconds, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> guess I'm gonna have." I, I ate all those boxes. Only have four. Yep. The Who fuck the fuck is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what kind of single ass person is buying this box? So then I had to. I was like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna have to order a whole shipment of these fucking paletas." Fuck so yeah, I like a thirty six pack. I literally ordered like twenty. Good. Yeah. Just have them on deck. <laughs> Okay, a lot of stuff happened this week, I feel like. Motherfucking James Harden put on a mask that was Blue Lives Matter. Oh, why? Is he a cop? <laughs> <laughs> so James Harden shows up to the NBA bubble wearing a mask 
a Blue Lives Matter mask. And everyone immediately, like the internet erupted and they're like, the fuck? And <laughs> James Harden has the audacity to say, or I guess it's true. So it's not audacity, but you uninformed motherfucker said he saw it on the internet, thought it looked cool, bought it. And then he was like, it covers my beard. Cause it was one of those, like, I don't know what they're called, but like the yeah, neck like the mask. Ones, sort of, yeah. yeah. He's like, it covers my beard. And I thought it looked cool. So I wore it. <laughs> Jesus. The, it had the Punisher but, mask on it and everything. Like, it had, like, all the white supremacist pieces. Jeez, might as well have had the fucking Confederate flag mm-hmm. on the other side. There you go. Please stop. Megan is, like, the craziest thing, right? Who, child? Because what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh. So, Megan the Stallion was hanging out with Kylie Jenner and Tori Lanez. Mm-hmm. Is that him? Yeah. That's and him. are they together? I don't know. Okay, so they're hanging out. At Kylie's house, right? Yeah. And then when she left... Oh, different party. They were hanging out with Kylie like the week before. And that was like the first time we saw Megan and Tori together or something. Oh, okay. Because I saw a lot of backlash saying like, how is Tori and Megan getting arrested and nothing's happening to Kylie? Oh, because... Okay, so they were at Kylie's pool party like the last week. And then uh-huh. this week, they went to a different party with Kylie. Oh, okay. That's what I meant. Okay. So, yeah. So, they're with Kylie. And then they were leaving, Tori and Megan. Mm -hmm. And then there was an altercation. And, like, there's, like, we don't really know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. There's reports saying that Tori shot Megan. Yeah. But the thing is, Megan got shot. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. While she was trying to leave this get-together. And then when they got into the car, so the police showed up and arrested Tori and Megan. But they didn't arrest Megan. They took her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But if you see the footage of her being like told to exit the vehicle and walk backwards and shit while she's bleeding. I fucking hate that video because why are they playing? What is that game uh, like Simon says with her? Yeah. Red light, green light or some shit when she's obviously like struggling to walk and injured and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fucking insane. Like what the fuck happened? Megan the salient shot is not something I ever would have thought would come out my god right? yeah and it just like it really put it like just like a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach you know you i do. know it's just her foot but yeah but still yeah. i mean anybody getting shot is scary i mean that could lead to infections yeah anywhere anyways that's fucking crazy who the fuck is tory lanes why is he hanging out with queen megan no idea yeah i feel who's a scrub I'm, I'm worried about him though because the streets were like as soon as they found out megan was shot everyone was like who fucking did this like yeah good luck yeah now go ahead and quarantine (laughs) oh that first and foremost what were y'all doing at a party and hanging out together like what the fuck is that yeah they're fucking young you forget it's true but but still that shit was stupid that was some part of the backlash i saw like what the fuck are they even doing hanging out together i saw that the next day megan's producer one of megan's producers tweeted something at like at tory lane's you ain't safe or something before before it even came out that like he was involved in the shooting or anything and he he tweeted it and deleted it right away but everyone got screenshots of course and yeah i love that yeah (laughs) so everyone got screenshots and so then that's how people were kind of like starting to whisper oh it was tori that shot her Mm, that's crazy dude let me tell you i had a i had to have an mri in on friday because i have sciatica anyway so i'm they did confirm that's what it is? No, I don't know if that's what it is. But Oh, okay. So I'm sitting in the waiting room 
before you get an MRI, you have to change to a gown and stuff. Yeah. So I'm like naked in the waiting room with this gown on and they have a TV in there and they, and TMZ was on and it was like the, they were talking about Megan and Tori and I was like, watch it, watch it, watch it. And they called me and I was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, the, that's where I saw the the footage of her walking and the police talking to her and shit. I was like, no. <laughs> um, Nick Cannon, did you see, did you hear the podcast? Yes. You did? Uh-huh. Okay, because I didn't hear the podcast. I just saw all the news reports after the fact. Yeah. And from what I put together on his podcast, he agreed with someone else's anti-Semitic statements. No, he was saying it. Oh, he was saying it? Yeah. Okay. What I read was just that he, not just, but that he said that black people are the real Semites? Yeah. Okay. And that Jewish people control all the money in banks? Uh Uh-huh. <laughs> so you know the the black people are the real semites as if there aren't black jewish people right but like this kind of implying that jewish people are like lying about like their heritage or something yeah yeah and, and that people can't be anti-semitic basically right yeah yeah it's it's the most ridiculous but that okay so he gets fired for that but to me the worst thing that he said was that white people are inherently more savage because they have less melanin because when they left Africa into the Caucasus mountains and it started producing less melanin that uh made them more savage made them inherently evil what yeah so that how why Something about he's like melanin has a certain he's like scientifically melanin has a certain power that gives you more humanity. So what? It's the most ridiculous. And he doesn't get fired for that. That everyone's kind of like forgetting that he said that. But then I'm also like, why is no one extrapolating? So I have less I have less melanin than a darker skinned person. So Am I more evil than a darker skinned person? According to Ken, yes. Yes, right? Like, oh, God. And I'm the evilest of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Except in the summertime, because you got melanin in the summer. I I know. What the fuck? Uh, (laughs) That's crazy. You know what's even crazier to me? People say crazy shit all the time, right? Nick Nick Cannon says something crazy. But every time I click on the trending topic of his name, most people are agreeing with him really yes okay that's interesting and supporting him and diddy was like i'll give you a show on revolt what is his his network resist i don't know diddy has a network that's ridiculous huh that's interesting diddy give makes the rights to his fucking Uh first of all (laughs) shut the fuck up challenge That's crazy. So yeah, so then Viacom, right? Like, mm-hmm. w- like cut all ties with him. First, they said that he refused to apologize, but then he did apologize. So yeah, I mean, maybe he apologized after the fact, after everything got taken from him. Yeah, because I guess Viacom owns Wild and Out, and like the rights to all these different shows that he's on. Viacom owns basically everything on MTV, Fox, CBS, NBC. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean. Hopefully he's still getting paid from Mariah, right? Like, <laughs> he Loki might have more money than Mariah. He got like eighty-seven jobs. 
Yeah. I, oh, yeah. That fool works. Yeah. I mean, I mean he lost them all yeah. right now. So. <laughs> and then cut to a couple days ago, he had a little like people, a little scare. Like people were worried about. Yeah, him. because one of his friends committed suicide, and I guess he said some super dark shit. Yeah. Yeah. He said, which I mean, it, like I yeah. don't want to be on this earth anymore or something. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And then also Tamar Braxton overdosed. That, oh, that's right. I saw that, that man. That same day when Nick yeah. was talking. And it said she was in a dark place too, right? Yeah. That's scary. What happened? Ooh, it, check are, on your friends. Oh, for sure. Especially in this time where it's like yeah. down is up, up is down. Like fucking, yeah. Seriously, we're all in the upside down and shit. Yeah. Yeah, she... Uh, I haven't heard an update on her condition at all. Me either, actually. You're right. That's fucking scary. Oh, I don't like that Nick Cannon thing. That sucks. It does suck. Yeah, it just sucks all around. He didn't have to lose all his jobs. Yeah. He didn't have to say that shit either, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. People make mistakes, though. I mean, he could have taken an L and been like, "I'm sorry," like, like James Harden's dumbass. Yeah, just been like, yeah. I didn't. I don't know what I was saying. I'm sorry. Like, right. Uh, yeah. I think that was the problem. Like, he was loud and wrong, and then he doubled down, and then it's yeah. kind of like, "Well, what are you gonna do at that point?" Yeah. I mean, come on. Those are your bosses, probably, right? Yeah. Is Viacom owned by Jewish? I don't think it's like a publicly traded company. So. Oh, okay. Uh, but they. They let him keep the mass singer. Oh, that show's still on? Yeah. Huh. So he's still doing that. So he's not like fired, fired from everything, but like most on TikTok most of the things. There's a bunch of videos of people like I work in a fancy Manhattan restaurant or I work in a Beverly Hills restaurant and these are like the celebrities uh-huh. I fucking and Nick and Mariah always get dragged no do that they they're tip? fucking horrible that they're just like fucking divas oh. and they don't like talk to people and they're just like demanding yeah. and shit yeah that sounds about right for mariah but oh yeah but i bet he's like that too like she you know mm-hmm. he probably like double like double down with her like to be that way you know yeah never understood the appeal of him like me either me He's yeah. not fine. Not fine. He's not funny. He can't rap. He can't. Like- yeah, he's not particularly successful in like the. I mean, I guess he is a successful host, but that seemed kind of like, uh, like something that was like a side gig that yeah. turned into like a main gig, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he was an actor slash rapper, mm-hmm. and that never really took off. So like, you know, I don't know. That was fucking weird. Uh, Ivanka selling fucking frijoles to people against the government's ethic rules <laughs> <laughs> so that's another fucking fun thing that happened stupid ass ivanka trump that bitch you know she ain't ever had black beans in her life and if she never. has her ass hurt never she's not endorsing those fucking beans bitch we know your butthole hurt did you see there is a clip from cnn where is it chris cuomo is chris cuomo the mayor of new york or yeah he's or his or his brother his brother is chris right chris is chris is the tv host and then oh okay and And andrew is the mayor okay so chris cuomo was on tv (laughs) and he went on like on a huge ass rant about this and at the end he was like 
something like where 130,000 people are dead and you selling beans. <laughs> this is bullshit. He yeah, said like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and it's so dope because his fucking accent. Yeah. Because right? like, yes. yeah. he's from New York. New York. <laughs> but like selling beans. Like that shit threw me out. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. You ever see that viral tweet from a couple years ago where, like, <laughs> the one with that guy where he's like working at a fast food joint? He's like, hey, y'all want beans on y'all's toast? Like, what is that joke? <laughs> I'm always like, what is that shit? Because <laughs> British people eat beans on toast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, like, we eat. I do too. Cook. I've yeah. rubbed, yeah. yeah, like black beans on toast, but. I guess it's funny for white people because yeah. the beans look all watery <laughs> yeah. and shit. Like, they don't look good. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I'm not- <laughs> is that bangers and mash? I'll eat this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where they turn it into a fucking meme. Where is this from? And on the meme, it says, hey, y'all want beans on y'all's toast? <laughs> oh, that's 21 Savage. It is? Yeah. <laughs> And then I saw, okay, don't even get me started on this Goya thing again, because I saw people in the comments talking about, because she was holding up a can of black beans. Right. And people were like, I'm white, and even I know Pinto Beans is where it's at. And I'm like, Ew, oh, motherfucker. You do not you know don't where know. it's at. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But don't make us get started on the merits of black beans versus Pinto Beans. This is an A and beans pinto- conversation, so see your way out. Yep. I had to have pinto beans on my wedding because I married a Mexican. <laughs> I don't remember having pinto beans at your wedding. They had they had black beans too. You probably got uh, black beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm cause- cultured. <laughs> but you know, Mexicans they like like whole pinto beans yeah. like that. Yeah, whole grandma makes them like that. It's fine. Yeah, but I know, but black it's black beans, beans are better. Come on, mm-hmm. let's not be ridiculous. Yeah. Anyways. So the only other thing is the Yeezy rally, which you didn't see it. I saw like a little clip of it, just like it's the tiniest clip of it. Awful me, like. So basically, so okay, Yeezy's running for president, sh- mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he had a rally in South Carolina, mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And some clips are going viral. The first one that I saw going viral was funny because he's well, it it's awful because he says lies about harriet tubman uh-huh that's what uh, i saw okay well he says like harriet tubman didn't free the slaves by the way she just took them to other white people mm-hmm. like sold them to other white people yeah and in the clip you could hear a girl saying we leave him right now yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's all of us <laughs> yeah it's so perfect yeah. i'm so glad she said that because <laughs> he says it and it is super quiet like everybody's like Ooh. yeah yeah you hear the groans but the more concerning clip I saw was him talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. And he starts off by saying, like, my dad wanted to abort me, but my mom was strong and kept me like mm-hmm. I would have I would have been killed like I wouldn't be here. And then he starts crying really bad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I almost killed North. I mm-hmm. wanted to kill North. Like, yeah. And he's like crying bad. And he's like, I almost killed my daughter. I almost killed my daughter he's somebody needs to fucking do something what's happening i don't know mate it makes me like feel really disgusted honestly by the kardashians because there's no fucking way that 
Like if that was Howell, like I would fuck no, I would have fucking taken a uh kind of like how Britney's dad did. And I hate to say it because like I know there's a lot of problems with Britney right now. Mm-hmm. But like you step in, step in, you get a conservatorship, you mm-hmm. get help for that person. Especially if you have evidence like this. Like Right. You know? Very public right. evidence. Yeah, it's ooh, it's so bad. And he's wearing a like a harness, like a, a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Uh, which i mean i'm sure that meant something i didn't look into it well he's a presidential candidate and he doesn't have all right secret service protection you know right 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 yeah i'm it seems really really bad i'm worried about him at this point but why do you think they don't step in can it maybe much like remember um odb when we're like what what does help look like for him Right. What does help look like for Kanye? Can you harness Kanye? Probably doesn't let himself be handled, quote unquote. I mean, you do it without his consent, though. Like, yeah, true, honestly, true. you you just like do it because you're concerned and you love that person and you know that they're not thinking straight. Yeah. I don't know. It's awful, though. And people like I'm super disappointed that people were even at that fucking rally. Yeah. Like, you know, like just stop giving him that platform, too, right. because yeah that's another thing yeah he keeps going because he has a platform uh-huh. and then that's the, that's what people say too is like i mean everybody standing with him on that stage like everybody pumps him up and shit instead of like doing the hard work and like yeah. fighting with him probably mm-hmm. homegirl that posted that video it's probably what everybody what was happening with everyone because in the tweet that she posted she said something like i showed up to get a laugh and yeah I, and i did but as soon as he said that shit you know we were out yeah and that's that's the problem and also that's how we ended up with trump (laughs) people showed up to like laugh at him or whatever and then it's not fucking funny it's not a joke no they actually like get people behind them yeah yeah it's scary everybody vote Mm -hmm. and not for (laughs) and uh vote also in the spirit of john lewis who we lost Mm -hmm. this week r.i.p john lewis did you see fucking, mm. was it Ted Cruz who posted? It was Marco Rubio. Oh my God, <laughs> man. Who did he post the picture of? Elijah That's- Cummings, who died last year. Because oh I remember because the same shit was happening last year. People were posting pictures of John Lewis when Elijah Cummings died. Shut the fuck up, man. I mean, they don't look exactly alike, but they bear a passing resemblance. But if you're like memorializing someone that you fucking know, yeah I, you know what i mean like if it was a stranger still right. do your homework and it's still fucked up that you would mess this up but like whatever anyway yeah. but like so your colleague your colleague doesn't know the difference yeah that's fucked up yeah Oof, marco rubio sorry to this man oh i hate marco rubio so much <laughs> yeah. i hate him peace the fuck out bro you and ted cruz both of y'all <laughs> ted cruz did you see that picture of that fall on a fucking plane without a mask on uh-huh yeah. yeah go fuck yourself ted cruz mm-hmm. ted cruz i will never understand this president called his his wife a dog said his father killed kennedy and he's yeah. right there kissing his ass yeah yeah that fool don't have no backbone yeah fuck that fool yeah ted cruz you little bitch <laughs> <laughs> this is the anti-ted cruz podcast <laughs> ted cruz fucking remember he liked that porno on twitter on 9-11 yeah <laughs> yep. it was like a disgusting one too <laughs> <laughs> ted 
Ted Cruz, you sell the beans? <laughs> Ted Cruz, you want beans on your toast? You think I'm a coward, they? Well, maybe I am. If only I weren't so afraid. Hello, everyone. My name's Stephanie. And my name is May. This is the fucking drama club. This is the podcast about fucking hating Ted Cruz. Celebrity scandals. Beans. Gossips. Drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beans. Uh, what else did we talk about? Mental health. Ooh, yeah, mental health. Getting shot in the foot. I did see this thing that was going viral on Twitter that was like, you know, like we talk so much about mental health and then people just like drag. Yeah. Which that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It does. But like part of the reason is because I think you're so angry like that this is even happening. Like when all these people are surrounding him that you think should be doing something. Yeah. And like nobody seems to care. I'll never forget that Kim fucking tweeted after one thing that he did. Oh, he doesn't have a. He doesn't, he's not bipolar. He doesn't have, like, why does everybody keep saying that? He needs to take his medication. Oh. Remember she said that shit? Yeah. She was like, he's not sick. Mm. I was thinking it's going to suck for North when she's older. And she that's, sees everybody was saying that too. This yeah, video. That's, yeah, it's fucked up. Oh, I just hope he gets the help that he needs. But like I said, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's my turn this week. And for this topic, I was a little bit stuck. Like, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I feel that way. I've been thinking about my solo. And I'm like, what do I need to do? Like, I have I have a couple that I'm thinking are more for, like, a twofer. But for a solo, I've been thinking for a couple weeks and coming up empty. When last week I was browsing some library books and came across the book Alive, which is the story of the Uruguayan rugby team. Of course, I've seen the movie Alive several times, and this oh. movie has all—I mean, th- this story has always fascinated me. So I figured I'd read the book real quick and see if there was enough there for the podcast. And spoiler alert: there is. So, yeah, I read the book and I rewatched the movie. So here we go. You rewatched the movie? Mm-hmm. How is it? It's, it's old now. It's a—it's never been a good movie. It's, right. It's, it's just so wild. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed watching this movie i've watched i've watched it several times but it's not yeah. a good movie right and also i forgot that john malkovich is like the narrator in the very very beginning and low-key john malkovich was kind of looking good and like he has like something what i love john malkovich yes he's like sexy like yeah. in his day he's so i told you to watch that stupid show on netflix oh that's right just for him i haven't Space seen Wars. it yet yeah for him and lisa kudrow it's mm-hmm. worth it he says something fucking awesome at one point because he's a scientist and like some army guy tries to stop him and he's like, will you move this fucking killing machine? <laughs> okay. Here's the breakdown from the preface of the book. The full title of the book, by the way, is Alive, the story of the Andy survivors and it's by Piers Paul Reed. His last name is spelled R-E-A-D, so maybe it's red. I don't know. By the way, I can't recommend this book enough. Literally, go read it right now if you're into that sort of thing. I could not put it down. Like, I thought I knew the story, you know, but I most certainly did not. Okay, so here's the preface. On October 12th, 1972, a plane chartered by an amateur Uruguayan rugby team took off from Montevideo, Uruguay, on the way to Santiago, Chile. So if you look at a map of South America... I was about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) 
you'll see that it's pretty much like a straight shot from east to west across the Andes. Not a big deal at all. It's more or less 900 miles. Oh, short flight. Mm -hmm. But the plane ran into some bad weather and they had to land in Mendoza, Argentina for the night, which is like the first town immediately to the east over the Andes from Santiago, Chile. So the next day, Friday the 13th, Ooh. The, <laughs> the weather was, was okay and they take off. But to get across the Andes in the kind of plane that they had, they actually have to fly south a little bit so they can go through an area that had lower peaks called the Planchon Pass. So at 3.21 p.m., the pilot told the air traffic controller in Santiago that they were over the Planchon Pass. And three minutes later, that they were over the town of Curicó, Chile, meaning that they'd gone all the way through the pass and were past the Andes. So air traffic control was like, dope, you can head north then. See y'all in Santiago. The pilot heads north, and six minutes later, he gives air traffic control an altitude reading. One minute after that, air traffic control hits him up about something and receives no response. And it would be a long, long time until the world would come to know what happened to Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Okay, so here's the story. How old were these guys? Between 19 oh, and God. like 25, 26. There were a couple of people that were older. I'll tell you why right now. Uh, okay. So rugby was relatively new to Uruguay. It caught on after a boys' Catholic secondary school was founded in the suburbs of Montevideo by a brotherhood of Irish laymen who thought the sport built character in young men. In 1965, 10 years after the school was formed, some alumni wanted to keep playing and formed a team called the Old Christians Club. And by then, rugby had kind of caught on throughout Uruguay. But the Old Christians Club was pretty good because their core had been playing together longer than a lot of the other teams at that point. So they traveled all around the country playing. And by 1971, they even went all the way to Santiago, Chile for a tournament. To make it more affordable, at around 40 bucks a person round trip, they chartered a plane from the Air Force and sold the extra seats to supporters who wanted to go see the matches in Santiago or friends of friends who wanted to take advantage of a great deal on a chartered flight for the weekend. And it was a huge success. Mm. Lots of people from their country would take advantage of like going to Chile because the exchange rate was good. So it's like perfect. Like, you know, yeah. your friends are going anyway. Yeah. And it's like the, you can, you know, have a little quick getaway. So it was a huge success. And they were pumped to repeat the trip the next year in 1972. So that's basically the background of how we ended up here with 15 members of the team, 25 friends and family, and five crew members for a total of 45 people on the flight. So, like, the boys were, like like I said, between 19 and 20-something, um, but they had friends and family. Some of them were, like, in their 30s. There was, like, a few people that were older. Wow. All passengers were members of prominent Uruguayan families. Because, remember, the teammates are mostly alumni from that one school. And right. that school was where you sent your boys if you were, like, educated, upper-middle-class conservative Catholics in the burbs. Right. And the few that weren't from that school were from the Jesuit school. So same thing, educated, upper middle class, slightly less conservative Catholics. The pilot was a crazy experienced colonel because this is an Air Force plane. The co-pilot who he was training was less experienced, 
on this particular plane and on this particular route, but not exactly a novice either. But still, flying across the Andes is nothing to scoff at. In fact, a plane with six people on board had just disappeared in the Andes three months before. Anyway, so the plane takes off after having to land in Argentina for the night due to bad weather. While in Argentina, everyone took advantage and walked around town, went to cafes, some bought rum, wine, cheese, chocolates, a bunch of shit. Exactly what you would do if you had like an unexpected overnight layover. layover. Yeah. Yeah. Just like fucking kicking it. So they hop back on the plane for the less than one hour final leg of this journey. The weather still wasn't great, so it was going to be rough. But the pilot had to fly because legally they couldn't keep a military plane on Argentine soil for le- for more than 24 hours. What? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's just a technicality. Then it's like, oh, are you invading Argentina, you know? Jesus. So they either had to just fucking go or turn back and issue refunds. But the Air Force at the time was hurting for cash, so you've got to imagine that that was probably weighing on the minds of the crew who were all members of the Air Force. I mean, the weather was, it was all right. It wasn't like snowing or anything, but, you know. It was sketchy. Yeah. So fuck it, they went. And the pilot miscalculated his position and was in the middle of the Andes when he flew north. Uh What had happened was, at the time of day when they flew, the Andes was notorious for having crazy wind and weather. So when they were flying east to west in the Planchon Pass, they were hit with a headwind that slowed them down considerably. So they had traveled much less of a distance across the mountains than they would have thought. Don't they have, like, computers and stuff that help them with all this? In 72? Oh, yeah. It's not as advanced. Right. Also, the weather was, so they were like um, flying at a lower altitude and right. the altitude where they were flying, usually, you know, planes fly above the weather mm-hmm. or the altitude where they were flying, the weather wasn't great. So they couldn't see the ground to get confirmation that they were out of the Andes. So as they're flying north, they begin their descent thinking that there's nothing ahead of them all the way to Santiago. Uh-oh. But they hit an air pocket and drop a hundred feet or so in an instant. So the pilot tells the crew to tell everyone to fasten their seatbelts and brace for some turbulence. He says, uh, he tells everybody like over the loudspeaker, oh, like the the plane is about to dance. He said, vamos a bailar. And then everyone is like laughing. Some of the, most of these guys had never been out of the country, never been on an airplane. So they're like, they're loving it. They're loving it. Right. They, they, they think like it's fun, exciting. Um. The plane is full of these rowdy fucking dudes, so they're throwing a rugby ball and shit. Jesus. (laughs) They're all teasing each other about it being Friday the 13th. And when the plane drops that first time, they all start saying, conga, conga, conga. But then it happens again. They drop another couple hundred feet in an instant, and some of the guys try to play it off at first. They're like, ole, 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 ole. Yeah. But people are starting to get nervous, especially the people by the windows, because right. after that second drop, they actually fell under the clouds. So now they could see and they could see that the ring that the wing was literally like 10 feet from the side of the mountain. Oof. So that's when they realize something is really wrong. The co-pilot was the one who was in charge of the controls. He's been flying this time because he was getting trained, you know. Right. So the co-pilot tries to pull up 
very dramatically, like they're almost vertical, and that's too much for the engines, and it's too late. The right wing clips the mountain and flies off. Then it flips over the cabin of the plane and cuts the tail off, and out went two members of the crew and three of the boys from the team. Then the... I was like thinking like, why do I, I know this story and I know like people have always talked about this movie and I was yeah. like, why haven't I watched this? Oh, I just remembered. Oh, <laughs> I'm scared of, scared of planes. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> so then, then the left wing flew off and the propeller cut into the cabin a little bit. So all we've got left now is a fucking bullet fly, like falling out of the sky. But miraculously, it lands on its belly and just sort of slides down the face of the mountain. Jesus. Meanwhile, the seats are being torn from their bracings. And it's sort of like a domino effect of each row getting crushed by the row behind them. And a couple more people fly out of the back. And everyone's thinking that they're just going to hit the side of the mountain in any second. Until finally it comes to a stop on a glacier with the nose of the plane taking the brunt of the damage with the instruments basically crushing and or impaling the pilot and the co-pilot. The pilot died instantly, but more on the co-pilot in a second. Now I'm going to start talking about people. There were 45 people on this flight and there are things that I wish I could include about the majority of them. But it was hard to keep track of who did what and who said what and stuff even as i was reading the names in the book because there's just so many of them right so that's just not going to work for us in this format and i'm only going to end up naming a handful of people for the sake of clarity so marcello the the captain of the team immediately took it upon himself to start rescuing the passengers right zerbino and canessa two medical students did what they could for the injured but they were only first and second years respectively and first year was like six months of psychology and sociology. <laughs> right. Like, you don't know shit. <laughs> right. And uh, the whole course of, st- of study is like eight years. So even at two years, Canessa didn't know much, you know. I'm certainly not confident enough to just like. Yeah. Only three of the passengers still in the cabin died instantly, including the team doctor <gasps> and his wife, which fucking sucks because they could have had a real doctor, you know. Yeah. Died instantly, like, from their injuries in the crash? Yeah, because when the seats started getting released from the from their Floor, bracings, yeah. yeah, and, you know, the domino effect happened, most of the injuries are, like, of people getting crushed. But those particular, like, the doctor and his wife, they didn't get crushed. They were se- seated more towards the back, and their seats went flying to the front. Oh, no. Yeah, so their impact was pretty horrible. Anyway, the description of the injuries are absolutely one of the worst things I've ever read. It's horrible. Impalements, compound fractures, you name it. I won't go into it, but it was a fucking plane crash where almost everyone is crushed by the seats and the propeller tore into the plane at one point. So yeah, it's gruesome. So pretty quickly, people started dying. It went really badly for those who were conscious. Let's put it like that. So let's set the scene. They're now in sub-zero temperatures, which they're absolutely not prepared for. Some were in short sleeves, others in blazers. They're on a fucking mountain, so the air is really thin. So thin that the slightest movement and you're gasping for air, it takes so much energy. For example, one dude was injured but was laid out from 
altitude sickness, so he'd get dizzy and barf whenever he tried to move. People had head injuries, so one kid didn't know where he was or what was happening. So imagine all of this in the immediate aftermath of a crash. It's just, it's chaos. Like, even if you were uninjured, just getting your bearings is borderline impossible in these conditions, not to mention starting to try to help your friends who are injured or trapped or whatever. Right. They saw one of the homies who miraculously survived falling out of the back of the plane, all disoriented and walking in the snow. And they're like trying to get his attention, but it's far, it's a far distance and he couldn't see them or anything. So he's just like right. walking in the snow, but then he just like, like fell through the snow and he suffocated. Oh my God. They didn't find him until like way, way, way later. It, it's snowing or it had snowed? Um, it's not snowing at in this exact moment, but then it started to fucking snow. Oh, great. Like, like right now. So now it's starting to fucking snow, but like mountain snow. So that's Jesus. happening. Jesus. <laughs> Meanwhile, like I said, the pilot is dead with the instruments right. through his chest. The co-pilot was alive also with the instruments through his chest and he was trapped. There's nothing they could do for him. He asked for his revolver out of his bag why is he traveling with a revolver? But anyway, he's, they asked, he asked for the revolver out of his bag, but they couldn't find his bag. And even if they could, they were Catholic, so they weren't going to give him the gun to facilitate a suicide. Right. He was near death and delirious. He was screaming, we passed Curico, we passed Curico well into the night in the darkness. Jesus Christ. So, so this is now all the information that everybody has. We're in, we, we're in Chile. We passed Curico. So, like, where are we? But, I mean, that's mm. wrong. Because they're, they're on the border between Argentina and Chile. Because they're in, on the Andes. Right. They had miscalculated. Mm -hmm. So, they were all thinking, help is on the way. Worst case scenario, and maybe help is delayed by the snow. And the 32 survivors prepared for the night. Within an hour, the plane was declared missing. And Chile started organizing a search. But because... Damn, 32 survivors made? The Actually, a lot of them survived. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because you said it was 15 plus 25. It was 45 in total. Yeah. We lost five, like, immediately. Right. And then, like, three... Or, like, I can't remember if it was three or four died instantly on impact and stuff. So, 32 people are going into that first night. Right. Within an hour, the plane was declared missing and Chile started organizing a search. But because the pilot called in that they were passing Curico, they weren't even looking in the Andes at first. Ugh. But then they start to sort of like suspect what happened because the pilot was like, oh, we're, pa we're in the Planchon Pass. And then three minutes later, he's like, we're passing Curico. But usually that would take like 15 minutes. Right. So they were like, yeah, we get it. We know what happened. So they figured that the plane crashed in an inaccessible part of the Andes. More on the search efforts in a minute. The survivors all tried to sleep in the cramped luggage compartment since it was moderately less exposed, but that's not saying much because it's like 30 or 40 degrees below zero. Ganesa, one of our medical students, noticed that the upholstery on the seats could be unzipped. So they, oh, nice. so they used those as tiny blankets, which was better than nothing. People were delirious, in pain, screaming that others were trying to murder them. One guy was like super out of it. He said he was leaving to go get some Coca-Cola. He was like, 
I'm, he's like walking out the door, like anybody want anything? I'm going to go get some Coke. Like, so we're dealing with mental trauma for right. sure. Nervous breakdowns for sure. On top right. of the physical ailments and injuries. Yeah. Freezing cold temperatures, snow, uh-huh. altitude sickness. Yeah. Five more died in the night that first night, including the co-pilot. What? Wow. Uh, none of the passengers with compound fractures ultimately ended up surviving. It's just that's oh. just a very terrible injury to have in that scenario. Yeah. The only crew member to survive was the mechanic. And he was, I'm sorry to say, useless because he lost control of all bodily function. He just wasn't there mentally anymore. Oh, fuck. Which is intense considering that the crew were soldiers. Remember, they're in the Air Force. So this was yeah. some shit. So now it's the morning. On to day two. We got to eat. We got to drink. So now we got to figure out food and drink rations for 27-ish people. Marcelo, our team captain, is all over it. That's one of my favorite parts of the book, like how people just like fall into roles. And Marcelo's like, I'm the captain. That's so scary to me, like how little societies form so quickly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Because I could go downhill real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so Marcelo's... He's all over. He's collecting the food and he's getting ready to ration it. Remember that they had that layover. So fucking luckily, some people brought snack, bought snacks. Otherwise, they wouldn't yeah. have had shit. And they lost a lot of luggage, obviously, through the big gaping hole in the back of the plane where the tail used to be. So we're, limit, we're limited to whatever's left in the remaining luggage, which is eight bars of chocolate, five bars of nougat, some caramels, some dates, some plums, a pack of salted biscuits, two tins of mussels, one tin of almonds, two small jars of jam, and a few bottles of wine for almost 30 people. Mussels? Did you say mussels? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like sardines, right? Like pe- people oh, like okay. can sort of. Yeah. I'm imagining one of those t- South American food. Like a little. T- yeah. Yeah. Um, I just remembered that Canessa's nickname is mussels. Like <sighs> mussels because he's very. Uh, I don't know if there's. He's like stubborn. Okay. Yeah. Is that's that's a cute nickname anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Latin American people got the bomb nickname. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so no food basically for thirty yeah. people. Yeah. There's snow, so they can sort of like suck the on less water on yeah. that for now, but you can't really you're yeah, that's not gonna work. So this no. is this is a problem. They could hear planes flying above them. Wow. But they couldn't see the plane because the weather was so bad. So if they couldn't see the planes, obviously the planes weren't going to see them. Oh, yeah. Come on. Not to mention that their plane was white. So you're not going to see it in the fucking snow. Oh, okay. On day three, the weather was pretty clear, actually. And they saw a plane above them and the plane dipped its wing. So they all start fucking celebrating. They're like, we're saved. We're saved. On day what, May? Three. Okay. And a few of them start chugging wine and eating. Oh, no. Like some of the snacks thinking this is all going to be over soon. Then Marcelo, who at this point is our de facto leader, gets pissed when he realizes that this happened. Because he's like, what if they can't reach us by plane or helicopter? What if it takes them a week to get here and you guys ate most of our food? What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Yeah. This is where I'll say that the book is really fascinating. Like, Like I said, the movie's not a good movie. But the movie doesn't even scratch the surface of the surface of what happens on this damn mountain. Right. Psychologically, like with the power dynamics and relationships, 
Old movies didn't really get into that, though. It, like, remember um, Escape from Alcatraz with, is it Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood, yeah. I love yeah. that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, you're and right. it tells the story, but just the surface right, level. Right, right. Yeah, old, old stuff didn't really get into, like, psychology and, like... It, exactly. And yeah. I, so I keep trying to think to think like should they remake this as maybe a mini series or something? Yeah, like um, what's his face? He stopped working because of all of the uh, sexual assault allegations against him. But um, <laughs> um, Mad Men creator Matthew mm. Weiner, he Matthew Weiner, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so they don't get into that. They don't in the movie. They surprisingly don't really get into the food. They, what? I mean, they do. They they have they have a scene like where the conversation happens, like what are we gonna do, and then they start do, doing it. It's like two scenes, and they gloss over it, which is like, mm. I mean, this is the whole point of this fucking story. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I I read that Roger Ebert said something like, "There are some stories that are just impossible to tell, and this might just be one of them." Hmm. And that's perfect. He's absolutely right. So if the movie scratches the surface of the surface, I bet even the book, which is quite detailed, will never really capture what it was like, you know? Right. So, yeah, no one who wasn't there will ever understand. So the day after the plane dipped its wing and they eat all the food, one of the guys, Nando, wakes up after being in a coma for three days. They originally thought that Nando was dead or dying, like, because he was knocked out. And he was all fucked up. Like, his face was all, like, really fucked up. But ironically, because, like, it was all cold and shit. Yeah. You know? Like, his brain pretty much sat down. So, it was almost low-key, like, a medically induced coma. God damn. <laughs> so, Nando wakes up after three days. They Oh, yeah. But some of the guys put him in the middle of all of them and tried to warm him up with their bodies. And he miraculously woke up on this day. Like, and he was low-key, like, fucking fine what the fuck man that's gotta be a trick yeah yeah he's played by ethan hawk in the movie Hmm. nando's mom was one of the ones that either died on impact or in the immediate aftermath his sister susana was alive but she was in really 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 bad shape so as soon as he woke up he was like where where's my mom and then they're like your mom died and he's like where's susana and then they're like she's over here and he like runs to her but she died like a week later her injuries were just horrible but back on day three marcelo starts plotting he's like uh whoever can work we need to divide divide ourselves into three groups a medical team a team to maintain the cabin of the plane and a team to make water by putting snow in now empty bottles of wine and like shaking it oh Spoiler alert, that doesn't really yield very much water, (laughs) and it takes a lot of energy. So it's like, what are you going to do, though? Later, one of the guys, Fito, figured out that if you put snow on some scrap metal in the sun, it could melt into the bottles, and that was much more efficient. There you go. Fito also made makeshift snowshoes out of the cushions so that they wouldn't disappear into the snow like their one friend. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Fito's fucking tight. Yeah. Meanwhile, the authorities are like, it's been three days. If by some miracle they survive, they're definitely dead now. But their families are like, nope, unacceptable. Every last one of them are from prominent families. So it's not like if you or I went missing. It's like when Natalie Holloway went missing times 45. Right. JFK Jr. and shit. Uh Uh-huh. So despite the fact that 
all hope is lost, the governments of Uruguay, Chile, and Argentina all continue looking for them. That's great. But the big official multi-government sanctioned search was called off after eight days. Because, I mean, obviously they weren't going to survive eight days. You know what I mean? No sane person would think that they survived. And fuel was very expensive at the time. I mean, we had a shortage here in the U.S. of A. Also, it was very dangerous to keep flying the planes over the Andes in that type of weather. So people were putting their lives at risk. The governments were like, we can resume search for the wreckage in a few months when the summer starts. Ooh. But the families absolutely did not give up. Aside from organizing the efforts back in Uruguay, some reached out to this really prominent psychic from Holland, which is its own fucking crazy story. And some were making flyers to disperse near the Chilean mountains. Some were participating in small scale private searches in Chile. That on the ground effort in Chile was led by one of the parents named Carlitos, whose, whose son, also named Carlitos, was on the flight. And, whoo boy, this man. This man is incredible. Big Carlitos was riding horses in the foothills of the Andes looking for his son, chartering helicopters, talking to shepherds in the mountain villages, and thanking them by taking Polaroid photos of them because some of them had never seen a photograph before. This is how, like, Holy remote shit. the area where this motherfucker was looking. like right. He was just like straight up moving heaven and earth. He gets a reputation as that crazy Uruguayan because people think he's insane thinking he's going to find them. Right. And who from him was on the plane? His son. Okay. At one point in the book, I was weeping reading about what this man had gone through. That's awful. For a while in the book, I was like, why are there so many scenes of the search? Like, I kind of don't care about the search. I care about what's going on on the mountain, you know? Yeah. But by the end, when it all comes together, it's so necessary. And it's also completely missing from the movie, which is another mm. thing that I don't like about the movie now after reading the book. Huh. Okay, so day 10 on the mountain. Now there's zero food. So four of them, including Carlitos and Fito, decide to climb behind the plane over a relatively small hill to A, get the lay of the land, and B, try to find the rest of the plane. They're all super weak at this point. So, but are they not injured that much? Like these, this group of these four, they're not injured at all, really. Damn, that's insane, man. Like some of them, they, uh, Ganesa was talking about how, like, he looked around, like, you know, that first day and he's like, damn, some of us have, like, a black eye and that's it. Like, that's it's just, like, insane. insane. Yeah. Yeah. So these four are, like, the strongest out of all of them at this point. And they try to do this little hike. But they're all super weak at this point. So when I tell you that climbing just the tiniest of hills was a struggle, believe me, all four of them almost died. And they didn't even find the rest of the plane. So the four of them are on the top of this hill. Uh, and it took them all morning to get there. And they're sitting there talking like, fuck, what are we going to do? And that's when Carlitos reveals to Fito. He's like... Nando told me that if we weren't rescued, that he'd eat one of the pilots to get out of here. And Carlitos is like, man, that hit on the head must have fucked him up. And Fito's like, I don't know. It might be the only way to survive. And after some silence, the four of them made their way back to the plane. Mm -hmm. Back in the plane. Things are obviously getting desperate. Finally, Canessa is like, listen, everybody, I think we're going to have to eat the den. Like he just like, puts it out Says there it? yeah yeah 
The bodies were all preserved in the snow because it was so fucking cold. It was like a huge freezer. And everyone is kind of participating in this debate. But Ganesa's like, guys, if we don't start eating pretty soon, we won't have the strength to cut the meat even if we wanted to. Right. People are still kind of pushing back on the notion, which is complicated by the fact that for the most part, they're all really super Catholic. (laughs) So Ganesa's like, their souls are in heaven. So take that part out of your minds. And don't we have a moral obligation to God to preserve life, our lives? And Fito's like, didn't you guys see that we couldn't even climb that hill? We're not going to be able to do much of anything out here if we don't eat. Right. And everyone is like suddenly realizing that they don't really have a choice if they're going to survive. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing else. There's nothing (laughs) else. There's snow and air and us. Yeah, that's it. And one of the guys is like, dude, if I die, you guys better eat me or I'll fucking haunt you motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I would probably have that same sentiment. Yeah, exactly. Eat me. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. At this point, there's only one woman still alive, and her name is Liliana. She, along with her husband, survived the crash. She's, like, in her 30s, but being the only woman becomes, like, the de facto mother of the group. Right. And she's, like, a big comfort to the guys, and they all sort of look to her right now. They're like, what do we do? Right. And Liliana is like, I don't have a moral problem with this, but I'm letting you guys know that I can't at least not if there's still hope of a rescue but absolutely we have to do what we have to do to survive a rescue in the next 10 minutes or what like yeah yeah so canessa starts thinking he's like i have to do this like i have to do it to show them that it's okay right so he takes a piece of broken glass he walks out of the plane to one of the bodies that's like half covered in the snow Mm. he cuts small slivers of meat from someone's butt and places them on the roof of the plane to dry. Then he walks back into the plane and he said, hey, like the meat's up there. Anyone who wants a piece is welcome to go and grab one. And everyone's just like sitting in stunned silence, just like looking at each other. So Canessa walks up there, psychs himself up and eats a piece. Then slowly but surely, small groups of guys make their way up and start eating. And that's how it started. The movie has... Like I said, like one relatively short scene about them eating the bodies, but the rest of the book is mostly about the bodies. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Isn't that the whole fucking thing? It's the whole thing. Obviously, it's the most salacious and scandalous part of the story, but I hadn't considered the psychological implications beyond the initial decision, you know? And the book gets into all of that. And also, what parts they had to eat and when they decided to eat certain parts and how and why it's nuts. And it's a huge testament to the human spirit and the will to survive. If you ever wondered what it tastes like, apparently it's a lot like beef, but softer. Okay. I'd always assumed pork because our anatomy is very similar. To a pig? Yeah, but I was wrong. Anyway, a part of what made it somewhat easier to over... I guess I would go butt first, too. That's what I was thinking. I was like, where? what would I do first? makes the most sense. I think calf is what I would go for. Really? There's like yeah. muscle there. So, yeah, that's that's what you want, I think. Like wait, you want like a good mix of You wanna fat, stay though. away from bone, right? Like you wanna stay as far they, away from a piece of bone well, as possible. Well they end up like towards the end, they have to like their bodies are craving vitamins that they're not getting. So Vanessa's like, let's fucking crush the bones and 
like eat them and try to get some calcium. Oh fuck. Yeah. Uh they end up having to eat fucking everything. Everything except genitals. And at first they're not eating like face, heads or hands or feet. But then like later when things start getting real desperate, they start cracking open the skulls and eating the brains and like it's like the, I'm Holy I'm telling shit, you like me. like the psychology of like when they start saying like I think we're gonna have to start eating the brains like it, shit like that like the lungs it's when things start getting real desperate it's fascinating that's insane so, I have to read this book you have to read the book yeah you can, you can I, I, the whole plane crash thing really fucked me up right now when you were saying it maybe I could just skip it you can skip the plane crash part yeah yeah because I mean. Once you get that, let's get that out of the way. That's fine. Yeah. So anyway, a part of what made it somewhat easier to overcome the revulsion to eating eating this meat, and that's not to say that it was actually easy in any way, shape, or form, just easier, was that Uruguay is basically a nation made up of a large percentage of cattle farmers. Mm-hmm. So they eat a lot of beef and they eat a lot of the organs too. That's good. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so we don't really do that in the States. So conceivably, it would have been harder for, let's say, an American to mentally say, all right, I need to eat the brain of this. Right. You know? Right. Okay, so they found this little radio. And on the morning of day 11, from what little they could hear, the ones in charge of listening heard that the search had been called off. So Marcelo is now broken. He kind of felt responsible because he was the one that had been the main cheerleader for making this trip to Chile in the first place. And he's like, I can't tell everyone that it's over. So Nando's like, we can't not tell them. I'll tell them. And Nando busts in the plane and says, good news. The search has been called off. And everyone is all in despair. And they're like, what the fuck do you mean? Good news. What the fuck is wrong with you? And Nando's like, good news, because it means we're getting out on our own. So, so Nando is all fucking gung-ho about getting the fuck off the mountain as soon as possible. He's like, I'm ready. I'm going. Honestly, something about them being like rugby players yep. might have helped. Yep, for sure. Right? Because like that kind of like mentality and like almost like masculinity that Bravado. we kind of stray away from now. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of things at play. There's like the fact that they're all of the same class. You know, basically, yes. uh, I mean, yeah, social class. There's no class struggle. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. There's a, the fact that they're all Catholics. There's like a lot of stuff that it's so interesting. Yeah. They go into it in the book. Okay. So basically, Marcelo was like, I'm in charge here. You're not going. You need to get stronger. You need a plan. We need to study some maps. We got to try to get a hold. Uh, we got to try to hold out for better weather. We need to put together a team of expeditionaries. This isn't just like a get up and go kind of thing. Yeah. And Nando respected Marcelo's leadership. And he was like, yeah, you're right. So for the first time, Nando, he went up and he got some meat. He was determined to start getting nourished so that he'd be ready to go. There was still a handful of people after Nando that still hadn't eaten. And that's when one of the guys, Pedro, was like, this is a lot like the Holy Communion. Christ died and gave his body for us to have spiritual life our friends have given their bodies for us to have physical life jesus and boom that was the thing that finally convinced like pretty much all of the holdouts right i kind of like that like i'm not religious but i think that's a sound philosophical and theological argument 
Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Catholic Church doesn't quite like it, but I'll touch on that later. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to remember they're eating, for the most part, raw, which is another thing that you have to overcome. Like, even if you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, it's kind of difficult to make yourself eat raw meat like that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. So, at least for the short term, immediate future, we've got a tiny food supply. And then, as if things couldn't get any worse, in the middle of the night between day 16 and 17, there was a fucking avalanche. Oh, my God. Snow suddenly filled the plane, burying almost everyone. A couple of the guys were sleeping in makeshift hammocks above. Uh, So they had really, really bad injuries. And although it was colder, they had more room to stretch out broken legs and shit. So as soon as the plane was filled with snow, they woke up and realized what happened. And they throw themselves on the pile of snow and tried often in vain to like dig people out. (gasps) Eight people died that night suffocated in the snow like that in an instant. Oh, my God. Including the last member of the crew, the mechanic, including Liliana. Oh, no. Hey, she wasn't eating the meat. Uh, she had just decided to start eating the meat like the day before. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was still holding out. And then after Pedro was like made the Eucharist comment, she, yeah. she starts eating the meat. So Liliana dies. And so did our leader, Marcelo. The description of the avalanche. Marcelo died? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. The description of the avalanche is almost just as horrifying as a crash because it was a very similar thing. Everyone was disoriented and then scrambling to try to save the life of a friend who was just asleep next to you two minutes ago you know or in the case of Liliana it was her husband who when they finally uncovered her but it was too late just held her and wailed and wailed through the night it's terrible that's I mean that would kill you just surviving that and yeah yeah like that would kill you the devastation it's horrendous uh and then there's like the conversations that Liliana and her husband had been having, she was like, when we get out of here, let's have another baby. Because they had left their... Oh, no! They left their two kids back home, and he was like, then you have to eat. And then, like, that's when she was like, okay, you know? Like, it's just, oh, devastating. Only 19 survivors are left at this point. And they're still buried in the plane with no way out and running out of air. My boy Nando, quick thinking found some sort of fucking like piece of scrap metal like tube and used it to poke a hole in the ceiling so okay fine now they can breathe at least right they collect themselves for a few hours and in the morning they try to exit through the cockpit but realize there's a huge fucking blizzard going on jesus so now 19 people and eight corpses are stuck in there for three days in a space that's like three feet high the 19 had no choice but to start eating those corpses now. Oh, my God. Also, now they're traumatized. And every night they think that an avalanche is going to come and take the rest of them out. Right. When the blizzard ended and they could finally get out, they started digging out the cabin of the plane. So now they're like, we need to make some moves and start planning in earnest about what we're going to do. What day are we on? This is like day like 19 oh my god man yeah so they're like no one's coming for us we might get killed by an avalanche and that's when they decide okay 
Canessa Nando and this other dude, Vicintin, a.k.a. Tintin, I like that nickname too, <laughs> are, are going to be the expeditionaries because they're physically the strongest. And Nando and Canessa are pretty clever, like in their own ways, which is a big plus. And everyone loves Tintin. Bless Tintin's heart. I love him so much. So they decide that... Honestly, so good that they're so young too, right? Like yeah. that's probably what will help them so Uh-huh, well. for sure. And that they're a team. Yeah. Like on top of everything, they're... Yeah. <laughs> so they decide that these three are going to get the biggest rations. They're going to get all the warmest clothes. They're not going to need to do any work. No making water, no cutting meat, no cleaning the cabin, whatever. And this is it. All their hopes and dreams are going to be on them. There was occasionally some drama about people stealing more food than their rations. Uh, there were little pockets of drama about people resenting the expeditionaries for all their privileges and shit. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, this shit like blew over really quickly. Like there were just like little outbursts and then they would get past it. Right. It was like no one had the time or energy to fucking argue. And they all knew that it was in everyone's best interest to put petty shit aside to survive. Even non-petty shit, like stealing extra food, seems like it was just brushed aside. It was, like, amazing what they did to just survive. One of the guys had said that it was his understanding that summer started around November 15th. So they're like, okay, on November 15th, we walk to Chile. Fuck. So that would be close to a month after, because they, they crashed on Friday the 13th of October, so. Right. Okay, so on the 15th, Canessa's having second thoughts. He's like, uh, I, don't, I don't think we should go. But one of the guys succumbs to his injury that day. So now we're down to 18 injuries and 18 survivors. Oh, no. And he's like, fuck, we got to go. So they say goodbye to everyone and they set out walking. After walking all day, they found the tail of the plane along with the luggage that was inside. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. This was huge for them because they got some chocolates and they got more warm clothes. Wow. They camped there for the night and the next day kept walking. That night, the three of them almost froze to death in a storm. And they had a disagreement about whether it was wise to continue. They decided that they would turn back and try to make the radio work with the plane's battery, which was in the tail. When they got back to the plane, everyone was sad because they thought that if they ever saw them again, it would be because they were being rescued. Right. That day, another guy died. 17 left. They head back to the tail with the plane's radio and with one of the guys, Roy, who knew about electronics. And by knew about electronics, I mean he helped his cousin put together a stereo once. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So they try to make it work for several days in vain back at the tail. uh, And it's just not going to work. But on the bright side, Nando found some insulation in the walls of the plane and figures that they can make a sleeping bag. So they head back to the plane. On the way back, they get caught in a blizzard and Roy starts crying and he lays down and he wants them to leave him there to die. No. So like Nando's like, he tells Tintin and, and Canessa, keep walking. I'm going I'm to handle this. So Nando's like, that and starts yelling at him and berating him he's like you piece of shit get up take another step you piece of shit like if we if i stay out here with you we're both gonna die you want that on you and like just like starts berating him and tells him to go and and physically has to like drag him back to the plane it was really horrible and dangerous and it proved that if they got caught on an expedition like that that they die for sure right So that's when they realize that Nando's idea to make a sleeping bag is the only shot that they have of surviving a night on the mountain out in the open like that. 
So the guys start working on the sleeping bag. Meanwhile, Nando's itching to go. He's like, let's go like right fucking now. Partially for obvious reasons. Like, I mean, they all want to get off. Uh, but also because he doesn't want to have to eat the bodies of his mother and his sister. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like why he has this fire lit under him. And he's like, let's go. Canessa keeps stalling. He's like, the bag isn't ready. The weather is bad. Blah, blah, blah. After weeks of this, December 11th, the 60th day after the crash. 60th? 60th. One of the guys dies of starvation weighing only 55 pounds. We're down to 16. So again, Canessa realizes that if they don't fucking go now, they're going to run out of food and they're going to be too weak. Also, it's getting warmer, so the snow is melting just enough to make it harder to walk. I was going to say. Yeah. And also, it's just enough to uncover the body, so the meat is going bad, and they're all eating raw, rancid meat now. Ew. So the next day, our expeditionaries say goodbye again and take off again with a 10-day supply of food, a sleeping bag, and a dream. I forgot to mention it before, but at one point, before the first time they went to the tail, they made insulated socks out of human skin. Oh, interesting. It's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, But they found hella socks in the tail, so now they're all wearing like a bunch of pairs for this trip. Oh, good. So the three of them spend three nights climbing up a fucking mountain, like a for real, for real mountain, with no real food, no gear at all, nothing. Yeah. Ganesa's like... We can't do it, guys. This is a suicide mission. So he gives up and he sits on some rocks. Nando's like, dude, Tintin and I will leave our packs here with you. We'll climb to the summit of the mountain and let you know what we see. But just wait. You can't give up because I know we're going to see the green valleys of Chile when we get to the top. Right. And Canessa reluctantly agrees. So Nando and Tintin spend hours climbing to the top. Nando gets to the top first and he he's like, yo... Tintin, go back down. Tell Canessa to come up here. It's amazing. Tintin does what he's told and Canessa gets to the top thinking he's going to lay eyes on the green valleys of Chile when all he sees are mountains. An endless view of mountains. They are straight up. This is the first time they realize we're like straight up in the middle of the Andes. Oh my god. And there's, there's no way they can get across. There's no way. But Nando's like, listen, I intend to walk out of here or die trying. You see, you see that mountain way, way over there? There's no snow on it. That's a good sign. Also, the mountain we're on is the highest mountain I see. And if we could climb this one, we can do all of those. I think we should send Tintin back, take all the supplies, and keep walking. Kanessa's like, no way, we'll never make it. And Nando's like, I don't know what to tell you. We either die down there or we die up here. And he finally convinces Kanessa. So... They go tell Tintin to kick rocks, and Tintin's like, cool. <laughs> and he hops like on a makeshift sled made out of a cushion since it's downhill. He's back at the plane in 45 minutes. Like, oh shit. This is, it took them three days to climb yeah. up this thing, and he's down in 45 minutes. So Nando and Canessa walked over the, mountain, over the mountains for nine days before finally reaching the green valleys of Chile. There they saw some signs of life, like an old rusty can of goya beans or, or like a, <laughs> an old rusty can of something you know a horseshoe but no people so they set up camp the next day they walked a little further and come across a river but that was the end for Canessa. he was done like he literally 
couldn't take another step. I was going to say, so they had food for 10 days, right? Yeah. And this is about, and that was like stretching it at right. that point because they had already passed their three, they were three days in and they had food for 10 days. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Canessa couldn't take another step. So they set up camp. That's when they saw some cows. Cows mean people. Canessa then saw a man on horseback across the river. And Nando ran to the edge of the river to try to get there, get his attention. He was yelling, but you couldn't hear the, uh, you couldn't hear anything over the sound of the river. Finally, the one thing Nando could hear was the man yell tomorrow. So they waited. Then the next day, the man, Sergio Catalan, wrote a note, tied it to a rock and threw it across the river to Nando. Nando wrote back, quote, I come from a plain that fell in the mountains. I am Uruguayan. We have been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up here. In the plane, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get we have to get out from here quickly and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to come fetch us? Please. We cannot even walk. Where are we? It's insane. Okay. So Sergio like gives them the thumbs up and he uh -huh. throws them some bread and hops on his horse to ride 10 hours to the nearest town. <laughs> what uh-huh this is where we they, we're in the middle of nowhere there's nothing right uh on the way he sends the homies like his other ranchers like uh -huh. i think it's like his son and like somebody else whatever to go pick up nando and canessa oh that's awesome so the homies take the guys to their hut and just give them like whatever food they have which is like cheese and bread they're poor mountain people you know right Canessa had lost half his body weight, almost 100 pounds at this point. Oh, my God. So he was like, literally, when he couldn't take another, like, that was it. He was prepared to die right there. Right. So Catalan gets to the town and lets the authorities know what's up. The media also finds out and descends upon this fucking hut in the middle of, of nowhere. It's December 22nd, 1972, 71 days since the crash. Holy shit, May. Yeah. That guy... Sergio Catalan, the, the mountain guy, he recently died, like, Aww. last year or something. He was super old. He was, like, 100 or something. But yeah, he's fucking tight. I like him. Okay. Yeah. Remember our super dad, Carlitos? He's been on the ground in Chile practically this whole time, lobbying the military to try to search again. Oh, right, right, right. One of the Chilean military dudes, a colonel who was like sort of helping him, had a couple days before told him, Carlitos, go home to your family for Christmas. It's just a couple days. I'll follow up with the mountain villagers. And when you get back, you can pick up right where you left off. But you need rest. You need to rest. And your family needs you. Right. So Carlitos had conce he conceded and he was on his way back to Uruguay and was going through airport security when there was a fucking announcement on the loudspeaker Carlitos, whatever, like, come to the security desk, please. And Carlitos is like, fuck. He was actually smuggling a puppy to take home for the rest of his family. So he's like, somebody saw me with the fucking puppy. Yeah. I'm going to miss my flight. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets to the security station and he's like, listen, I'm sorry about the dog. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? you have a phone call and he picks up the phone and it's the chilean colonel and he's like carlitos it's just that you've been looking for those boys of yours for so long i thought you might want to come and see them oh my this god this is when i started crying okay yeah. and carlitos drops the dog that he's trying <laughs> that he's trying to smuggle and he like full-on breaks down right there 
the airport security guy still don't know what the fuck is happening because he's talking who, on the phone. Who is Carlitos' son? Another kid, Carlitos. Carlitos oh, has, okay. he's interesting on the mountain too. He has interesting moments, but we don't, I don't really have time to talk to him, talk about okay. him. Okay. So the security guys don't know what the fuck is happening. Later, there's a part in the book when they give him the list of survivors to relay via radio to the families back in Uruguay, but he can't bring himself to look at the list. Yeah. Then he makes up something about not being authorized by the Chilean government to read it out loud. But the mayor of the town who's there is like, what? No, I give you permission. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so he's forced to read the list. And when he gets to like the fifth or sixth name, which is little Carlitos, he like, uh-huh. he breaks down. He's like, mi hijo, mi hijo. And then, uh, yeah, he has to get his shit together and keeps reading the list. Okay. That's the saddest part. Oh, it's not sad. Yeah. But it's like, it's happy, but Okay. So the rescue team starts sending helicopters to where Nando and Canessa are to get details of how to get to the other guys. Right. And, and Nando's like, I'll come with you. I'll show you. So oh, he, my God. <laughs> so he hops in one of the helicopters and they're like going, going, going. And he's like, it's over this mountain. And the helicopter flies higher and higher, like low key too high to be flying because it starts like yeah. sh- shaking and shit. Yeah. And the rescuers are like, Nando, I hate to break it to you, man, but you're lost. You couldn't have climbed this mountain. But Nando's adamant. <laughs> And they just like barely make it over the mountain. Then sure enough, they spot the plane and all the guys come out and they're waving and shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) They evacuated half of the guys out that night and then the other half the next day, 72 days after the crash. Holy shit. Meanwhile, this had become the biggest story on Earth. It was literally in the news in almost every country. The guys are all in the hospital getting treated, but all things considered, they're surprisingly okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, they have broken bones, they have gangrene, they have frostbite, but like, they're they're okay. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a lot of nutrients in humans. <laughs> True, especially if you were eating good in Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but the story of the cannibalism unfortunately leaked to the press relatively quickly. And also circulated around the globe. Yeah. A paper in Argentina also heavily suggested that the avalanche never happened and that they killed those people to eat them. Chilean papers published photos of partially eaten body parts on their front pages. It was it was bad. Whoa. Yeah. After it was actually they talk about in the book how it was reported in most countries, except for Uruguay, actually. Uruguay didn't report about any of this shit. They wanted to wait for the guys to come home. Yeah. So uh, all the guys were released from the hospital and made their way back to Uruguay. And they had a press conference admitting to eating the dead. Right. The Catholic Church agreed that what they did wasn't a sin, but they were kind of salty about how they compared it to the Eucharist. Right. The public was really scandalized by this, particularly old people. I mean, it's unimaginable. It's scandalous. It's I mean, scandalous. it really is. Yeah. I mean, you don't fault them, right? But right. I mean, I don't fault them. I don't they fault did them. what they had to to survive, but it is fucking insane. Yeah. Like, right. Especially because it's people you know that you're eating. Yes, yes, yes. That makes it fucking crazy. You know, personally, I feel like I could do this. I think my biggest obstacle would be that it's the raw. Honest? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the end of the book is devoted to how hard it was for the guys to admit what happened to their families. Like at the hospital, when a lot of their families start like coming in and seeing them and they have to say what happened, like a lot of their f- friends and families, they couldn't hide their disgust and shock, at least yeah, like not yeah. 
yeah. initially. It's also a different time. This is the 70s. It's true. Yeah. And so it was like really fucked up for the survivors at first. Uh, but their families, as well as the public in general, came along, came around relatively quickly. There was also some drama between the survivors about how they handled fame after this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. For instance, some guys were salty at Nando because he became a playboy for a little bit. Like, oh, he traveled to Formula One races and like Buenos Aires and shit and was like their guest of honor, like posing next to like these big time like racers and shit. Uh, The group wanted to remain a group and didn't really like it when individuals would tell their story without everyone. Hmm. I mean, I feel like who gives a shit? Like, especially in the case of Nando, who did literally one of the most incredible things I've ever heard in my life. Like, yeah. Let that man live. But like I said earlier, we'll never understand what happened on that mountain and the relationship between those men. So I'm sure they have their own expectations for each other. And I don't really like expect to understand the dynamics. You know, what's crazy is, you know, none of these guys went to therapy. I'm saying. Cause this is Uruguay. Yeah. They look Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. They, they talked to their priest. They confessed and like, that was it. That was it. Yeah. And they just dealt with it. Yeah. Their whole last life. Yeah. What was crazy was that there was, while they were still in the hospital, so like that first day, uh, w- the hospital had quick, when, as soon as they found out that they had been eating people, like the the hospital was smart. They were like, don't let anybody in here. Like, oh, good. So they like, the media was like outside trying to get statements and they were like, don't let anybody in here. But the o- only person that that they did let in was a priest a young priest like he had just been out of the seminary for like a year or like a year and a half or something yeah and he shows up and like the first person he talks to says like i need to confess about this and the priest is like that's not a sin you did what you had to do to survive and like then immediately like through the hospital they were just like oh like that weight had been lifted yeah fuck so yeah, there's so, so much I had to leave out. Please read this book. It's so fucking good. I could keep talking to you guys about this forever, but that's the story of the miracle in the Andes. That's insane, man. It's, that is a fucking insane story. It's crazy. It's a, fu- it's a miracle. It's like, a miracle. How did they survive? The human spirit. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Honestly. Marcelo died? Yeah. Why is Ethan Hawke playing a noodle wine <laughs> And John Malkovich and yeah. John Malkovich narrates or he, 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 he shows up like in the beginning, like they show him for like two minutes and he says like, he sets up the story and then he goes away forever. We don't see John Malkovich anymore. Did you stream it somewhere or you downloaded it? Uh, I streamed it on like some like Russian website or some shit. Yeah. Say no more fam. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. I love that one. Weirdly. (laughs) so interesting it's so interesting i'm uh, nando wrote a book i'm gonna read it today and tomorrow because i'm not i'm not done with the story yeah it's fucking amazing all right well that was this week's episode tune in next week hit us up on instagram and twitter at drama club pod on the website drama club pod.com on the hotline 505-539-0556 at our p.o box p.o box number 27433 laca90027 leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll talk to you on thursday with a brand new afternoon delight episode bye bye however whatever with your helmet